0: Today, I am going, they want me out of here on time, and everybody needs to really do this by faith then, and we be out of time, but we're going to do our best, uh, because we have our leadership meeting right afterward. but I want to say this, this, I'm closing um, today's series called Life in the Spirit, and I teach this series every two, three years, uh, as the Lord instructs me, because I believe it's that vital to us, it's that important for us to live by, and I want to give you ten aspects... Um, or functions, if you will, of the Holy Spirit that he does for us on a personal level every day of our lives. And by the way, one of the first things we got to understand is the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not smoke. He's not ethereal. He's not uh, a wisp. He's not wind. He is a person. He is a person, and it's the Spirit of God that functions through you. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not three gods, One God who functions in three different manners. And we better thank God for the Holy Ghost because if we didn't have the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't be saved. So we better thank God for him. He's real, he's alive, and he's powerful. So I'm going to give you ten aspects or functions of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. I want you to look at John chapter 14, verse 16. Uh, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another Helper, that word helper means comforter. He'll bring you another comforter that he may abide with you. How long, church? Forever. Jesus used the name comforter to describe the Holy Spirit more than any other name. And we're going to talk about the names that he had in just a moment uh, that was used in the Greek. He used comforter, helper. So in other words, that's the law in the word of God. That out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So he's establishing, putting emphasis, if you will, on the fact that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. So the primary power function of the Holy Spirit is to bring us comfort. Aren't you glad that he comes to comfort us, especially in times that are tough and hard for us to deal with. Somebody should say amen to that. He's here to bring us comfort every single day of our life. And the word comforter uh, comes from the Greek word parakletos. And that means paracletos means it describes a very loved friend, a cherished friend who comes to a friend to help them, to assist them, to exhort them, to encourage them, to counsel them, to advise them, and to strengthen. Here they go. Here we go again. The Holy Spirit comes to help, assist, exhort, encourage, counsel, advise. And strengthen. He is also known, uh, this Perikletos is to take the idea of a friend that who can really be trusted. No matter if you're on the high or low, no matter if you even betray them, they're still a trusted and true and tried friend. It also portrays the idea of a friend who steps into a difficult situation in your life to defend you from something bad or hurtful. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost don't run from my problems. As a matter of fact, I need to teach this today. I don't want to preach this today, but this gets me excited. Because in the beginning, you see the Holy Spirit moving on the face of the deep. In the darkness, the Bible says, then God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit went and brought light on the scene. That lets me know that the Holy Spirit is not afraid of darkness. And he's not afraid of your darkness or your trouble or your void. Come on, somebody. So he comes to defend me, which lets me know that I don't have to defend myself. So why in the world we got so many Christians, believers in Christ that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that feel the need to defend themselves. And when you defend yourself, you find yourself in more trouble than what you bargained for. I've learned that when I've been, I've been, I've been hurt or, or something's come up and, and, I, and I've been doing wrong and I know they're lying about me, I want to say something. I want to defend myself. But I've learned over the years, stay out of it, let God do the defending, and he'll do a better job than I can do. I said the Holy Spirit is here to defend you. Bible says he's a father to the fatherless and a defense to the defenseless. Number two. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Uh, John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Where does he live? He lives in us. Now, this is a radical change at that time. It was a radical, radical change 2,000 years ago because before that in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, The Holy Spirit would come, the Spirit of God would come upon his people, the children of Israel, or come upon a king, or in fact, come upon a prophet. But he never was in them. The Bible said he would come upon them. And sometimes, like for instance, with Samson, he'd come upon them and he'd do this incredible feats of strength and, and had incredible ability for war. Same thing with David when he was able to kill a lion and a bear and able to take out Goliath with no problem whatsoever. And so he, he had the ability because the spirit of God came upon them. But there's something much more significant. That when Jesus died for the sin of mankind and all those that believe in that sacrifice and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God no longer comes upon you for a specific task. He comes in you to walk with you every day of your life. That also lets me know that wherever I go, he goes. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. It also lets me know whatever I let in these eye gates, he sees Whatever I let these ear gates, he hears. So I better watch this. I better watch out what I'm hearing. I better watch out what I'm seeing because everything goes by way of the Holy Spirit. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So why do you keep putting yourself down? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Let me tell you something. When God chose to dwell in something, he no longer chose a building. He's not in 4901 South Howe Avenue. If you leave, he leaves. I said if you leave, he leaves. Because he don't dwell in brick and mortar. He no longer dwells in tents somewhere in the desert. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Why? He made you like himself. God can't be where there's not righteousness. God can't be where there's not holiness. When he forgave you, he let that sin go. I've been made in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So why get down on yourself? Yes, you sin, but you're no longer a sinner. And When he could find nothing holier to fill, he decided to put his spirit in you and me. In the Greek, the word dwell is the word meno. And meno means to stay or to abide. It's a picture of a person who has resolved that, the, that they are never going to move again. They have found the home of their dreams and they're determined to stay there no matter what. It carries the idea of a person that once they found this home, they will not move out. They will not budge. They will not flinch. And they will not be forced out. They will not move because they love what they found. That's the Holy Spirit. When he chose you and to dwell in you, he's he's saying, I'm going to stay in you because I love you. I love being with you. I love being around you. And you're not going to get rid of me that easy. And y'all people better thank God every day. I don't know why I was gonna teach this today, but I feel like preaching a little bit up in here. Come on, somebody. That lets me know that though I may falter, I may fall. I might sin. Dear God, I hope I don't. But I know every day I'm going to make those mistakes. But I know that he's not going to get up and say, enough is enough. I'm out of here. He's working with me. He loves me. He ain't going nowhere. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love this because it speaks of the very nature of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to leave. Now, I'm, this is going to kind of blow with some people's mindsets. I'm going to kick over some sacred cows today because I have to. But, y'all, I was backslidden for about seven years of my life when I was a kid. And I went out and did my dirt. And I was raised in the church and all that stuff. And I'm not proud of what I did whatsoever. And I can tell you that though I was fearful that I was going to go to hell because I was raised right. And I knew if I messed around too long, I, you just don't know. What you're messing with, so you better not be messing around. But I went out there and did my stuff anyways, and I can tell you something. Looking back, the Spirit of God was still in me, even though I was out there in the world and doing my stuff. Now, I'm not saying that for you to give you the occasion to go out and sin, because I don't know how long. He may not tarry with you forever. But I can tell you one thing. I always loved him. I always knew who he was. I never denied him. I just wanted to go do my sin and ignore him. I was just trying to ignore him. But I found out something about him. That when he gets in you, you can't ignore him no more. And you know what I'm talking about, you backsliders. You know what I'm talking about. You know. You get invited to the party and you stand out. You know you stand out. You know you don't fit in at all. Now you partying like you do. Everybody thinks you fit in. They think you do. But inside you know, I don't belong here. This is not for me. So what do you, you drink a few more so you can kind of tame all those nerves down. You smoke a come on somebody, a little more so you can get them, so you get a place where you're totally intoxicated. So you can what, run from God. I'm talking to some people today. But no matter how high, no matter how drunk I get to try to run from God, I can't tell you the number of times I'd be in a situation to party and all of a sudden somebody's going to bring up God in a negative way. Oh, don't you bring up God in some negative way. Now I'm maybe partying with you and cussing like you, running around like you. Won't you talk about Jesus now? And I didn't want to do it. I wasn't trying to do it. My mouth will start talking before I think. What was going on? There's a Holy Spirit in me. And he won't leave me just because I, I don't want him around anymore. And all of a sudden I start saying, you, "Let me tell you something about the Lord." And I start telling him how I was healed of an incurable blood disease. And let me tell you what God can do for you. And I said the power of God works. And I'm telling you, God is real. And I'm, I'm saying an angel. And I, I start and I'm talking the whole time, going stupid, stupid. Shut up, you idiot! Stop you! You're just a big hypocrite. People be drawn to me. It was in the courtroom, and we're outside with all the people on the court. I was getting, I was dealing with, I was dealing with some stuff in the court. Come on, somebody. And and so and, and the woman came and she just put her arm around my arm and hugged me close. And she's shakingly. She goes, will you talk to me? I'm so scared. I'm thinking, talk to somebody else, man. I'm scared too. And man, I before too long, she's talking. And I don't want to say nothing, but I know something's in me and it's coming out of me. And I'm not living for him, but it starts coming out. Of, and the word starts coming out of me. And what did I do for her? I started to minister to her. I was waiting years ago, I wasn't serving God, waiting for my, uh, my wife to get out of a store in the mall. I'm still waiting for my wife to get out of the stores in the mall. But, and she's in there too long and some woman starts talking to me. And she starts crying and she's going through something. What is going, I'm thinking this is bizarre. So what do you do? I started to minister to her. I didn't know, what- I give her the word. Here's what God says in this word. I started talking to her about Jesus. And I'm not, I don't even want to do it because, you know, when you're back sitting, that's the last thing you want to do. And you don't want God to do anything for you either. You know why you don't want God? Because you don't want to owe him. You're going to make me go to church next week. I, ain't go, I don't want to go to church, man. Amen. <laughs> hey he'll never leave you because he makes his residence inside of you. But now then, he does say, my spirit will not strive with man forever. And I don't know when that is, but I know he wants to stay. He's not trying to come up with an excuse to leave. Number three, the Holy Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's a teacher. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing letters. Now, he wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. And he, he was writing letters to the churches that he started. And the, one of the letters was to the church of Galatea, which are the Galatians. And he writes this. And, 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 and by the way, how could Paul... Write all these beautiful things, which was by the way, we take for granted now, 2,000 years later. But at that time, it was like that was unheard of. He had to download this from the throne of God. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, But I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. How? By way of the Holy Spirit. So he was taught by God himself, writing the scriptures that we now know are the, literally the voice of God to us. And by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. The Bible says that he's, Jesus said he will only speak of me. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he speaks of Jesus. That's one of his traits. In other words, they said, Lord, please don't go. And you would say the same thing. Had he died, been resurrected, and now he's alive, please don't go. He said, I have to go. If I don't go, I can't send you another, the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. He'll come upon you. In other words, I can only minister to so many people with me in one location. But when he comes, it will spread across the whole wide world. And every single person will have the ability to know of who I am. John 16 Verse 13, Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he, he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Here's another scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.9, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man, those things which God has prepared for those who love Well, you know, we stop right there. We hear preachers preach it and stop right there. God's ways are past finding out. You know, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Oh, my God, he's prepared these incredible things. But we just don't know it. But the Bible doesn't stop there. What does it say? The next part of the verse, it says, but God has what, church? Revealed them through his what? Spirit. The spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Forever and forever and forever we're going to be learning about who God is. He's constantly revealing himself. But the way he reveals himself is through his spirit. That's why you can pick up your Bible. I've been reading this Bible for 30 years and I promise you I pick it up every time and I find something new of a scripture I've read a thousand times and I went wow I've never seen that quite like that before how is that possible his spirit is constantly searching for that he knows the route you're supposed to take not somebody I don't got to copy you I just got to download what he wants for me. When you're in your car and you all got maps on your car or in your phone and you plug it in or whatever and you put it on there and you get a detour and it says turn right at such and such street and you turn right and there's another detour. It says turn left and such and there's another detour. And it keeps doing what? It keeps searching for a new route. You understand the Holy Spirit is always searching. So if you get off course... If you get off course, he's always searching to get you back on course again. Always. Doesn't that make you want to fall in love with him all over again? He ain't trying to slap you down, knock you around. He's trying to help you to get you where you're supposed to be. Amen. The word revealed in the Greek uh, here of revealed means this. The word revealed in the Greek means this. It means to unveil, to reveal, or to uncover. It actually is a picture of something that is veiled or hidden, and then suddenly the veil or covering is removed. As a result, what was hidden for so long now comes into plain view. So you be careful what you're cursing in your life. Because that boss you hate might be veiled right now. But God might take the veil off of him, and he becomes the answer to another promotion in your life. So be careful. Um, uh, the woman that her sons were going to be sold to the creditors to pay off the debt, and the man of God came by, and she didn't know what to do. And first, what did he say to her? Woman, what do you have in your house? She said, I have Nothing. But a little jar of oil. In her mind, that was nothing compared to what she owed. In her mind, it was as if don't even consider something like, are you kidding me? I owe so much. What could that possibly do for me whatsoever? He said, bring it to me. And he gives her a word to get vessels, not a few bar from there, and start pouring by faith. Start pouring the oil in the vessels, and she started pouring and pouring and pouring, and filled up one, then filled up two, then she filled up ten, and however many. And she filled up all these vessels, and paid off her debt, and lived, and retired on the rest. Y'all, you want to be religious? You don't even hear what I'm saying. What am I saying? What she had in her house was not revealed, but the moment that the Spirit of God revealed it to her. The man in the pig pen, he was the prodigal son, had all of his money and, well, and just went out and partied it all up. Now he's in a pig pen, ready to eat the food that the farmers feed the pigs. The Bible says, and he came to himself. If I'll go back to my father, he can fix my problems. In other words, he had an epiphany. He had a revelation. What's in your world right now you think is nothing, but God says it's still got great potential. Just let me show you what I see. So quit messing with your husband. He just got a big veil over him right now. Come on, somebody. Or your wife, amen. Pray that your eyes be open. There's potential there. That's done by the Holy Spirit. Number four. Oh, my gosh. I'm a number four. This is ridiculous. Here we go. This is ridiculous. Number four. The Holy Spirit reminds us. John 14, 26. but, But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the helper, whom the Holy Spirit Uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Okay, that took me a minute to get there. Here we go. So, think about it. Have you ever wondered how the disciples remembered everything that Jesus taught them? 40 years later, some of these guys wrote the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote it 40 years later. None of them consulted with each other as they wrote their own gospels. None of them did. Yet when you put them together, they're almost perfectly interconnected. 30 and 40 years later, only the Holy Spirit can do something like that. Um, I've been in situations, how about you? That I didn't have the answer. Someone starts talking to me and I'm going, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Lord Jesus, as they're talking, you start praying to the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, help me. Kurama, Lord, I need, I don't know what to say in this situation. I don't know what to do, right? But by the time they're done, I can't explain it. I don't know how it works, but it starts coming up out of me. Scriptures I haven't thought about in so long. And, and the people begin to weep or cry or it ministers to them. That's the Holy Spirit bringing things back to your remembrance. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, number five. The Holy Spirit teach, testifies The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Um, again, you'll see this over and over again uh, emphasis in the Word of God about how people facing death, facing sudden death, still give glory and testify the Lord Jesus Christ because of what? Their, their strength came from within, it came from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And by the way, you don't force Jesus down someone's throat. You don't need to tell everybody, I'm a light, I'm a light, I'm a light, I'm a light. Amen. Just be a light. When people see the light, they're drawn to the light. Amen. Just be a witness. Live for Jesus. People are drawn to that. Yes, open your mouth. Of course you must do that by faith. You must do that. But you have to recognize and say, wait a second, I need to just turn my light on and live for God. Which leads me to number six. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He convicts us. John 16, 8 says this. And when he... Has come. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. The word "convict" is the Greek uh, word that means to expose. It means to convict. It means to cross-examine for the purpose of conviction. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the greatest prosecutor of all time. You're not going to get away with nothing. He knows the law. He knows what you've done. He cross-examines you till you go up. Uh, you know how you always have an excuse for everything? He gets it down, where you just go, oh, he's got me. There's nothing I can say. I'm caught. I'm trapped. That's it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't convict you to shame you. He convicts you to get you to realize you're going to need somebody to bond you out. You're going to need somebody to deliver you out of your situation. You're putting, now you've been put in a spot where you can't get yourself out. So you need somebody greater than yourself. And he says, I know somebody. I might be the great prosecutor to get you to recognize your sin, but I know the one who can get you out of your trouble. And his name is Jesus because he always speaks of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Doesn't that make you happy? So you were living it up back in the day. Living for yourself back in the day. Then the Holy Spirit came. He came by and he convicted you. And you said, I need him. Number seven, the Holy Spirit convinces you. Convict also means to convince. You ever tried to pay someone a compliment and they completely brush it off? You're looking good today. Ah, oh, I put on five pounds. You want to say, okay, fatty, I shouldn't have gave you a compliment in the first place. When somebody comes up to you and says you look good, say thank you. Thank you. might be a little uncomfortable to learn to say thank you. Right? Because they may not want to come back and say it again. It's a nice thing to do. It's a nice gesture. Same thing with God. When God does something for you, say thank you. Amen. I saved you. You're my son. Yeah, but I'm still a sinner. You're my son. That's all you need to know. Say thank you. Amen. There was a singer... Um, I used to lead praise and worship for my dad's church in Beloit, and uh, and so there was a singer on the platform. She was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Only one problem: she didn't believe it. And so I would I would find myself. Having to convince her every time I gave her a solo part, she said, Oh no, uh, give it to Sister So. I'll give it that person I just, I just, oh, I don't want to mess it up. I, don't. I said, You're incredible. You're the best singer we got. You're incredible. Yeah, but I just, I, and, and, and then I'd give it to her. i try to convince her. You're, I, I, I'd try to convince her. And i give her the part, boy, she'd start off real small and mousy. And, and I tell our praise worship team all the time if you're going to make a mistake, make a big one, man. Make, make one that's so big where everybody just laughs at you, you, laugh at yourself, and move on. Don't make a small one. Make a, make, a, make a weird one. You know why? I know if you do that, you're trying. You're actually putting yourself out there and trying to do this thing by faith, right? So, so and she, then she'd kind of break through and mentally get past it and do okay. And then the next time I said, that was great, she'd get back real small again. And every time I gave a new part, I found out something. I could do all the convincing in the whole wide world. But she was convinced that she wasn't good enough. The Holy Spirit comes to convince us. And let me just tell you something. If she was convinced that she was good enough, she would be a powerhouse. Why? Because when you're convinced, you what? You have confidence. Confidence. The Holy Spirit comes to convince us of who he is, and now because of who he is, who we are, and now we're walking in this life, and we have authority, and we have power. We don't, may might have struggle, but we know we're going to be able to overcome, because we're overcoming. Now what? I'm convinced, and because I'm convinced by the Spirit of God, I'm confident that everything's going to be all right. Amen. Now, number eight. The Holy Spirit guides us. John 16, 13. However, when He, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He is the consummate guide. This is who He is, guys. Listen to me. When you go mountain climbing, the most expert mountain climbers don't climb mountains by themselves, they'll die. Do you know why? Because they are not conditioned to know all the circumstances surrounding that mountain or that climb. And so they will hire what is called a sherper. And the Sherpa is the guide. And the Sherpas lived there their whole life. They've already went They've already uh, went up and down that mountain a uh, hundred times. They know the climates. They know the weather changes. They know how to look for weather change. They know the height. They know what side you climb up and what side you're supposed to climb down. They know the several places. Paths that you can take in case one's detoured and you can't get through, you won't get stuck. You go a different way. They they know all those. They know the at, uh, They know the altitude change. They know that you're supposed to sit down and relax. No, I'm, I feel pretty good. No, sit down here. Your body has to acclimate before you go to the next level. Otherwise, you will die. Sit down. Okay. Well, they listen to the sherpa because he knows what's best. And those what's what is he there for? He's there to guide them to a successful summit. Well, the Holy Spirit, according to his word, is our sherper. he's our guide so that we can have a successful summit in our lives. He knows the pitfalls. He knows what we're up against. He knows what's going on. Every day of your life, you should wake up with that in your mind saying, Lord, you're my guide. Show me today what I'm supposed to do. He'll guide you into that job. He'll guide you with the right mate. My God, you need the right mate. Uh, He'll guide you to the right business, the right business partners, the right church, the right everything. Number nine, the Holy Spirit reveals to us. It says here, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you in all truth, for he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, we've touched on this already, but it's important for you to understand that the nature of the Holy Spirit as your helper is to reveal what's going on in your life. That's why we pray, guys. That's why we get before the Lord, because he will show us things to come. You know, we're living, this is this is now 2019. It's a prophetic time. It's a time where we need to hear the voice of God for our lives. He wants to tell us what's out down the road. He wants to tell us and help us with our decision making. He wants to tell us of the pitfalls. He wants to give us insight that we don't currently have. Uh, Romans 8.26, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit will reveal those weaknesses in your life and reveal to you how to get strong or how to stay strong through the weakness. Because the Bible says when we're weak, he is strong. Amen. Number 10 and finally. I'm sorry I'm going fast, but I want to complete it. Number 10. The Holy Spirit worships with us. So a moment ago we were worshiping God. He's worshiping with us. Why? He dwells in us. John sixteen fourteen. 14. Watch this. He will Glorify me. Church, he needs our hands. He needs our feet. I almost said feet. And he needs our voices. Amen. You know, at some point as a Christian, you got to graduate from grabbing a hold of the back of the chair during the whole song service. And you got to do something with those hands. You got to clap. The Bible says clap your hands, all you people. I remember, I'm closing here. I remember um, I came back to the Lord in 89 and I was so, so excited. And you know, when you've been away from the Lord for a while, you know, I was from 13 years of age to uh, 21. So I was 21 when when I came back to the Lord. And I wanted to make up for lost time, you know, so I'm trying to learn. I'm I'm just, oh, I want Jesus so bad. So we just started the church in Beloit, my parents, and so we're on the front row of the church. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to worship God. And I'm, I'm really self-conscious. You know, self-conscious will kill your ability to worship God. I'm really self-conscious because I didn't know, you know, even though I was raised my whole life in church, it was like I felt like I was going to do something wrong. So I was like, you know, I watch people, how they lift their hands. And I noticed they lift their hands in certain parts of the, s- the song. So I thought, it almost looked like they were doing it all together, like they learned it, you know. So I noticed that sometimes the hand went up like this high. Then sometimes the hand was up this high. Then sometimes the hands were up the, Sometimes it was two hands. Sometimes it was one hand. Sometimes their hands were like this. I was like, oh, wow. that's a Their hands were like this. Then I saw some women like this. They were like this, worshiping God. And I knew that wasn't for me. That, that one was not for me. But the other one, so, so I, I thought, there's so many different ways. How do you do this correct? Has anybody ever had this dilemma before? And so I'm nervous. And I remember it was a, it was a Wednesday night church service. And I said, I'm going to church, and I'm going to worship you, and I don't care what it, I feel, and I, I'm tired of struggling with this stuff. Now, nobody knows I'm having this internal battle. So I'm on the front row. Worship begins, and I just close my eyes tight as I possibly can. I'm not, don't care. Look at me funny if you want to. I'm worshiping my king. So I'm I I put my hands, I don't remember what I did, how I did, but I just put my hands up, man, and I'm worshiping. Now, I rock. So when I stand up, I'll rock back. When I walk, I walk. I I rock. I just kind of walk like this. I'm kind of a Neanderthal. So I'm going back and forth like this. I'm rocking. I'm getting into it, man. My eyes are closed. The song is great. I'm into it. But I, I didn't notice that my foot would take a step back every time I was rocking. So I'm facing the front, right? That's the band up there. By the time the song was done, I had completely turned around, and then when my dad took the pulpit, he said, what a great church service. And I opened my eyes, and I'm facing everybody, and they're just smiling and cracking up at me. How many knows God's got a great sense of humor? If you don't get embarrassed, get embarrassed all the way. Just go ahead and do it. And what did I do? I laughed at myself. Come on. I went, oh, my God. My face turned three shades of red. Right, My ears are burning. I turned around. But I did it. The next time I did it, I had one eye open. I had one eye open. I didn't want that to happen again. But I did it. And I found out it's not just me. He's glorifying him. He's in me. He loves the things of God. He loves. He wants to connect with everybody. That's what the spirit of God does. And it will help you more than anything.